This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, well, the title today is this. It's, I didn't know what to call this thing, so I just said this. Ready. Ready. Are you ready? Well, I guess, am I ready for what? Are you ready for what's going to happen next? Who's been on a roller coaster ride this year? Yeah, well, I mean, I, it's been wild, man. It's been a wild ride. But I know this much, that I'm going to ready to show us some verses right here that give us a little foretaste of some good stuff that's coming down the pike for the children of God. Do we have any children of God today? Can the daughters of God say amen? Can the sons of God say amen? All right, good. We're excited. And listen here that there's some good stuff, you know, coming up next. And everyone's like, well, what's going to happen next? We don't even know. Man, there's plenty of bad stuff coming to the world. But I'm telling you this, for the children of God, this is an exciting time to be alive. This is a moment that we've been preparing for for years. You know, what What did, uh, what did... What did they say to Ruth? He said, you've been born for, excuse me, Esther, you've been born for such a time as this. They're like, well, why did I have to be alive right now? You were born for this moment. You ought to be excited that you get to be alive right now and witness what God's going to do to close out the final chapter of human history. But I want you to see something here. Isaiah chapter 60. Let's look real quick at Isaiah chapter 60. little excitement for God's word, please. I'm not buying that. That was not excitement. I've seen you guys, okay? Come on, I've seen some of you guys. When it's time to have hot wings and stuff, you get excited, right? I said, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 60. There we go. All right, there we go. You can get excited for food. You can get excited for Jesus, right? Some fresh manna, the bread of heaven. Isaiah chapter 60, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. I'll be in the New King James a lot today, but we will go to the NLT. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Man, I take that as a word from God, a promise from God for us as his children in the end times. It tells us that, yes, there's going to be some dark days. There's going to be darkness. There's going to be bad stuff over all the earth. But you need to arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord will arise over you and his glory shall be seen upon his people. And I'm going to tell you this, that as the body of Christ, and we're talking about committed, dedicated, on fire for God Christians right now, we are on the brink of a very big thing that God's going to do. Well, what exactly is it? I don't know exactly what all God's going to do, but I know that according to Scripture and according to the things that we're seeing, that we are on the brink of something incredible and powerful happening for the body of Christ. He said, it's going to get darker and darker for the people of this world, but it's only going to get brighter and brighter and brighter for the people of God. And I can say amen to that because I need some of that. You know, it's been incredible to see, and you know, with, with everything going on in the world and, and, and global pandemics and all this stuff, I've seen a lot of people 
paralyzed with fear. I don't make light of that, and that's a sad thing, but I can honestly, with with no fear of contradiction, say it's been a wonderful, glorious year in my life. I've seen God bless my health, my finances, my family, my church. I've seen God do one incredible thing after another, and so I can't always relate to all these sob stories that I'm hearing, and and I'm not making light of anybody's situation, but I can say this, that according to the Scripture, I am seeing the glory of God rise up right now, amen, for those that are looking for it, for those that are expecting it. Now, with some, well, I don't ever see none of that, man. I just expect bad, and that's what I get, man. Your faith is obviously working. Your faith is in negative things to happen, and it keeps happening. Put your faith in the Word of God and what this promises us right here, and we're going to start seeing some great things. I love how the Living Bible put verse 2 there. It says, for the glory of the Lord is streaming from you. Whenever something is streaming, like we're, we're, we're live streaming right now, whenever you see a river streaming, it means something is flowing from somewhere. And you don't always know where it's coming from. Like, well, where'd that come from? But I can tell you right now, the glory of the Lord, the light of God should be streaming from his people right now. And someone may walk by and say, well, man, where'd that come from? Like, they may not know where it's coming from, but you know where it's coming from. And it's time for Christians to start taking this thing seriously and realizing the golden opportunity that we have to rise up right now and do the work of God and let God work through us. Can I get an amen today? You know, Jesus in the New Testament put it this way. He said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Now, one time Jesus said, I am the light of the world and Jesus is the light of the world. But then he put it in a whole other perspective and said, you are the light of the world. And so if, if you, Christian, are the light of the world, we ought to be shining a little bit brighter. We ought to be ready and expecting the, the, the glory of God to be streaming from us and reaching out to people that are lost stumbling around in the darkness right now who wants to be used by god let me just i mean if you've got no interest then hey that's between you and god but i refuse for the i mean this is the fourth quarter of the history of the world this coming down to crunch time when we're getting ready to hear a trumpet and see Jesus standing in the air saying come on to me this is crunch time i don't want to be on the bench I don't want to be back in the locker room picking my nose, wondering what's going on out there where all the action is. I want to be used by God in this pivotal moment of history. And so I say to you this morning, arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is going to be streaming from you if you'll let it. And God can use you to change some lives right now if you'll let him. Can I get an amen on that this morning? And so today, we're going to be mainly looking at another very key moment in history. And this is going to be, we're going to be going over to Joshua chapter 3 this morning. So let's start flipping over that way. Joshua chapter 3. And we're going to look at a really, really awesome and very key story in the Bible. So Joshua chapter 3. And where we are right here is this. Israel had been wandering the wilderness for 40 years at this point, all right? They've been delivered from Egypt, and Moses takes them out there, but we all know there were some attitude issues, 
some complaining issues that crept into their heart. And so God said, well, this bunch can't get into the promised land. It's going to have to be the next generation. And so, uh, unfortunately, they're wandering the wilderness for 40 years out there in the desert. But here we are, Joshua chapter 3. It's finally time God says, okay, it's time for this to finally take place. You guys get to go in. Moses has died. And Joshua, the new leader, is getting ready to take them across the Jordan River into the promised land. And so they're camped out right now at a place called the Acacia Grove, right on the banks of the Jordan River. And they're getting ready to cross over in there and start conquering and taking and possessing the land that God had for them. Who knows that God's got a promised land for you, too? Amen. I believe I've got one on earth. Hallelujah. And I believe that there is an even greater promised land awaiting us in heaven someday when we really do cross over to the other side. But here they are. They're on this side of the Jordan. They're getting ready to cross over. Joshua chapter three, verse three, it says, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And so what is the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord their God? Well, at this point, they didn't have a temple, right? And so God had them construct, uh, uh, I guess you could almost call it uh, a portable temple, right? Uh, uh, something they could carry with them. It had the Ten Commandments. It had Aaron's staff uh, from when God used him there. Then it had some manna and had a couple other things. But most importantly, this Ark of the Covenant they carried around, this was the place on earth where the presence of God was kept. Right inside of this box. Now, that's pretty cool, but think about it as a New Testament Christian. The presence of God is kept right inside of the heart of every born-again Christian. We've got the Spirit in us. So this was a, the Ark of the Covenant was a really important thing, though. I mean, this was like, this was God. Basically, his presence on earth was right inside of this chest that they carried around and, and the priest carried it. But verse 4 it says, yet there shall be a space between you and it, the ark, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Well, that's about a half a mile. It says, do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And so they're, they're saying, hey, follow the leaders, follow the presence of God, because you've never been this way before. We'll get to that later. And then verse 5, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That's a powerful verse right there. And out of everything I just read, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull out two phrases from those verses that I believe are extremely relevant and pertinent to where we are in this moment of history. Because these people, they'd been wandered, they, they'd been through a lot. They'd been through a whole lot over the last several decades, and here was their moment. If they would do things God's way, they can finally cross over to the other side and get the promises of God, the promised land. And I believe that we're here, man, as Christians. There's, there's, there's danger out there. There's bad stuff going on. But it doesn't have to be that way for the people of God. I was talking to someone recently, and, and they said, well, I mean, this is serious stuff. I don't know if you realize how serious this is. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where God just promises to protect Christians from it. And I said, what? 
How do you not see anywhere in the Bible where God promises to protect his children? He always provides a way out. There was a worldwide flood coming, but for the six righteous people, right, the six good ones, God had a big old boat built to get them out of there. God always provides a way of escape for his children before the flood actually comes. And so you better believe that and you better cling to the promises of God right now more than you ever have before. Because if you think it's bad right now, it's going to be a whole lot worse when the true Christians get sucked out of here. Me and Walter and Robert were talking before service and we said, man, you guys may think we're crazy now, but you're going to miss us when we're gone. You're going to miss us when we're gone, because when the true Christians, when the church of Jesus Christ is raptured out of this earth, we're the only thing really restraining any evil right now. Believe me, when the born again, when the spirit of God is sucked out of this earth, when we all get taken out of here, it's going to be seven years of tribulation. And if you think it's bad right now, this is preschool compared to what it's going to be. I'm telling you that now, that's not to scare anybody, but that's to say be ready, be right with God, all right? And so two phrases, just two phrases we're going to look at today. And the first one is this. Number one, we have not passed this way before. We have not passed this way before. And that's what God said to the children of Israel. And I believe that that's something that God's saying to us right now. None of us have experienced a lot of the things that we've seen so far in 2020. I mean, I went through Bible college. I got the degrees and the pieces of paper to prove it and all that stuff. But I can't recall any class or story or book where they laid out, you know, the last time we had a worldwide health epidemic where we shut down the global economy and churches and schools and locked people up in their houses. Here's what we did to get through it that time. I never, I mean, none of us in our lives have ever been this way before. We're seeing and experiencing things that I can't ask my grandpa, well, what'd you guys do? The what, 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 you know, what, what did the preachers do? Man, nobody knows. We're learning and listening to the Spirit of God as we go through all this right now. We are navigating the storms, navigating the situations that life is bringing to us. And there's no book written on this, but except one, there's only one book you can read right now that will actually tell you what to do. And it's the Bible. It's the Bible. I mean, uh, there's, there's, there's nothing else. The, the holy written word of God is the only instructions and safe guide that we have right now to actually tell us what to do and how to handle the stuff that's going on. And so we're navigating some roads that we've never been on before. And it's kind of ironic because in our generation, we don't have to put a lot of work into navigating things anymore because it's very, very easy. You know, if I'm going to say, family, get in the car, we're going someplace we've never been before, we're going to drive 300 miles away, you know, just to have dinner or, or just to take a vacation, whatever, and honestly... I don't put that much effort in there mapping out the best route and, and okay, if I go this way and then if I take this way. Usually these days, I don't, I don't even think about how I'm going to get there until I sit my behind down in the driver's seat of the car and pull my phone out and type in the address. That's literally the effort that I put into it. And the same way with, with most of you guys right now because 
navigating is not really something that we have to do before. There's not been one time that I've had to sit down, okay, Katie, buckle up. We're going someplace. We've never been this way before. Sanctify yourself now. This could get crazy. No, I'm like, hey, just type in the directions, bozo. Let's go. Let's let's make it happen. I mean, don't don't overdo this. But now, now as easy as it is now, I remember back when I first started driving, we had this, and at the time it seemed like a groundbreaking invention. It was called MapQuest.com. Does anybody remember MapQuest? I mean, that was like mind-blowing. You mean I can type in an address and it will literally print out directions? And so you had to have somebody sit beside you and turn left at, at Main Street. And, and But it seemed awesome, and we thought this was a great way to go. This was And, 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 and so as easy as GPS is, that, that was a little step below it, but it still made it pretty easy. Now, I have heard that before that, my parents had to use a thing called an atlas. And have you guys heard of this thing? Some of you have not even heard of this. So, yeah, you had to literally go buy a hard copy of a map and actually look at the roads yourself and, like, highlight the direction you wanted to go. Nobody did it for you. No voice was speaking in your head saying, turn right in 400 feet, turn left at Main Street. No, you had to actually look at this thing and figure out where in the world you were going. And honestly, sometimes I think about that and I'm like, how did they do that? And that, that sounds awful, but how did you get anywhere? I don't even understand this, but it sounds like it was a lot more difficult to navigate and get places before. And so for us in our modern world, we say this is you've never been here before. You're going somewhere you've never been, and there's only one place to get the directions. And for a lot of people, that's really hard to receive because we are used to several answers being the right way. Well, I mean, we want to get here, but there's five different ways to get there. Well, that may be true for a lot of things, but if you're going to get to heaven, there's only one way to get there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, there are many roads to the promised land. Not this time. Well, yeah, but someone's had to, there's nothing new. Somebody had to have been there before. This is a brand new season, and we, as the children of the people of God, have a great opportunity to cross the Jordan River and get into the promised land, but it's a way that we've never been before, and we have got to listen right now to what God is saying to us. Amen? And so, as the people of Israel are there, standing, just waiting for the word to go, Joshua said, listen, tomorrow, there's going to be some awesome stuff happen you got to get ready right now because you've never been this way before. Sanctify, purify yourself. Well, the children of Israel had several promises already, and that's something you need to know. You need to know some scripture. You need to know, well, God promised me this. You need to have some backup and some scripture because Satan's going to come in and say, well, you don't really know that, or maybe it said that, but he's going to try to get you to doubt the promises of God, but if you're like David and say, I've hidden your word in my heart, it's going to be a whole lot harder for him to convince you of a lie. You have got in the end times to get the word of God in your heart. It's got to be there. You need to know some scripture for combat. It's not enough to do well, Pastor Dave said this, and, and Pastor said one time that, like, Something like by Jesus stripes you're healed or something like that. I don't, I don't know, but it sounded like you need to know some scripture. And the children of Israel had that. Flip back just a couple pages here to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31. 
Who's glad they came to church today? Man, I'm glad I came. Deuteronomy chapter 31. And we're going to look here. This is the Lord speaking through Moses to Joshua, telling him uh, some final instructions before Moses passed on. So Deuteronomy chapter 31, and we're going to look here at verse 8, Deuteronomy 31 and verse 8. And this is what he said. The Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Now, out of that verse, what I'm referring to is this. Notice it says the Lord is going to go before you. And so whenever they were getting ready to cross the Jordan River, God said, listen, you're going to send the priest, the preachers of the time in front with the Ark of the Covenant. What is that symbolizing? That's saying that God is going before you. You're going someplace you've never been before, but there's no need to freak out because God is going before you. And on top of it, he's going to be with you the entire time. He's not just going to run out front and say, catch up when you can. We'll see you when you get there. No, he goes before us, but he also stays right there with us in the midst of it all. For he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And I'm really glad to have that word from God right now that no matter where we are, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We are never alone. We've just got to stick as close to him as we possibly can. And so the children of Israel, they're saying, okay, all right. So the priest and the Ark of the Covenant will go before us. That makes sense. We remember Moses said something about this, where God is going to go before us and lead the way. Okay. We can stand on this promise. How about right here? Isaiah chapter 45. Check this out. Isaiah 45. And this is a promise that we need to uh, realize for us. Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45. Because not only does God go before us, he's got some other stuff in the works too. Isaiah 45 and verse 2. And my goal today is to encourage you to realize what a season, what a time that we live in. Isaiah 45 and verse 2, and yet again God says, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. But look at what he says right here. Not only will I go before you, I will make the crooked places straight. Anybody ever gone on a hike out there in the woods? Okay, I kind of... I know Sabrina has it because she doesn't like it. anybody else. You've actually gone on a hike. Any of you guys that go outside? Okay. So, I mean, I grew up out in the woods and, and I, even a few weeks ago, I'm out in the woods taking a hike, uh, just way out there, you know, a pretty couple miles in the woods. And so I love being in the woods. I love getting out there, but sometimes if there's someone in front of you, you know, and they walk through a tree branch and they don't do anything, it, it'll smack you back in the face if they aren't a very good lead person, right? But somebody that's a good lead person on a hike, they'll kind of clear the path out for those that are coming behind them. They'll get rid of branches that are going to hurt people. They will straighten out 
the path. So not only are they leading the way, but they're making it a whole lot easier for you when you catch up and get there. And that's what God is saying to us. He says, I'll go before you. And on top of it, I'll even straighten out the crooked path. So it's a little bit easier for you to just follow me. And I'm saying that's the type of leader that I want to follow right there. He is leading the way and he is straightening out the path before us. God is good. Somebody say that. God is good. He's so good that we don't even realize it sometimes. We're like, well, that wasn't as bad as everybody said. You don't realize that that wasn't as bad because God straightened out the path before you even got there. He cut some branches down. He moved some rocks out of the way. God already prepared it for you by the time you got there. You don't realize the amount of times that God saved your life and you don't even know about it. The things he's protected you from and and he kept the danger so far away from you that you don't even know about it. And then people say, man, I've never had anything real exciting happen in my life. I just I I mean, I hear these stories and I I've never had anything like that. You have been so blessed that God has protected you and insulated you so much. That there's some things that the devil had planned for you that God kept them so far away you weren't even aware that it was ever even a plan. You need to realize that. Isaiah chapter 52, Isaiah 52. And so we're talking about some promises that God goes before us, all right? He goes before us. We saw that in Deuteronomy 31. And then we saw right there in Isaiah that he straightens out the path for us. So thank you, God. And that's another awesome thing for us. But look at this, Isaiah 52, verse 12, it says, you will not leave in a hurry running for your lives, for the Lord will go ahead of you. I don't got to run for my life. God's in front of me, clearing the way. But on top of that, yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. And so God not only goes before me, God is right behind me also. I am surrounded on every side by the presence of God and by God himself. So he's saying, well, we, you've never gone this way before. Just follow me. I will go before you. I will straighten out the path. I will stick right beside you the whole time. And on top of it, I'll be right behind you, fighting the enemy behind you the whole time also. God's got our back. That's awesome. That God not only is clearing the way in front, but God's behind us. God's got our back. We're getting ready to get into the promised land. We're getting ready to really experience some of the things that God has planned for us our entire lives. We're getting ready to cross over like he's been talking about. But God, this entire time, has been clearing the way in front of us and getting us ready. So, number one. We're going someplace we've never been before, as hard as that may be to to imagine. And I, I mean, I don't want that to just fly over your head like apple pie in the sky. You're like, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that sounds inspirational. I'm not trying to inspire you. I'm trying to prepare you to cross the Jordan River and get into the promised land. And so I don't care if I inspire you or make you laugh today or make you feel good. I'm just trying to get you prepped for what God has for you. This is a key moment in history. The second thing is this. This is the main thing I want to say today. Number two, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. That's a powerful verse right there. 
sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Please do not let that fly over your head either. This is key for us where we are right now. Joshua 3 and verse 5, we already read it, but you can flip back to Joshua 3, verse 5. You, you've got to get this verse. You've got to know this because who actually believes that, that as a Christian, you're on the brink of something awesome happening in your life? Not only your life, but just world history. So Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Years and years of leading up to this point, and Joshua says, tomorrow's the day. Sanctify yourself. Get ready right now. Now, what does sanctify mean? Because that's not a word that we use a whole lot. I don't go around saying, excuse me, guys, I need to go sanctify myself. I'm just, I'm not feeling it. I mean, we don't use that word very much in our modern language. But there's a couple things that sanctify means. And so get this. Sanctify, number one, it means to set apart. Set apart. Sanctify, it's like holy. It means to set apart. And I can tell you now that we, as God's people, are being set apart from the rest of the world. People say, well, I don't see where Christians don't have to go through all the same stuff as everybody else. We're sanctified. God, at this moment, is setting us apart from a lot of the stuff that the rest of this world has to face. There's a separation taking place right now like we have never seen before. And as time continues to march on and as things continue to get crazier, the separation between the people of God and the children of the devil is going to be more and more apparent. Maybe at times in the past it wasn't so evident, but I can tell you right now that the, the separation between the people of God and the people of the devil is going to be more and more apparent the further that we go. But you have to choose to be sanctified. Joshua didn't say, okay, guys, God's going to come through tonight and magically sanctify everybody, and then you'll be ready for tomorrow. No, he said, you, hey, you, everybody, you, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. God said, start prepping right now. Start setting yourself apart. And I'm telling you, as a New Testament, end times Christian, We've got to start getting sanctified and set apart a little bit. And you are going to have to start learning to use the word no. As a New Testament, end times, end of the world Christian, there's going to have to be some things we just flat out say no to. Well, you used to. Well, I, I know. I'm sorry I did that. But no, I, I'm not touching that stuff anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. The answer is no. Because I think about it this way, when Jesus finally does come back and I see him in the sky, what am I going to be doing at that moment? Am I going to say, whoa, Jesus, sorry, let me pour this out real quick. I don't want you to see this. Like, let, let me, let me put this out. I didn't mean for you to see that. Hold on. Give me, give me one more day, one more day, one more day. No. You've got to be ready. And we, as end times Christians, there's going to have to be some stuff that we learn to say no to. So sanctify means to set apart. Another thing that it means is to purify, to purify. Now, if I didn't know a whole lot about purifying and sanitation before 2020, I know what it means to sanitize things now. 
Anybody else? I mean, I used to be, I used to like the smell like, yeah, I'll take some hand sanitizer. That stuff smells good. I just feel clean when I use it. But now, you know, it's like, man, I'll take every drop of that stuff you got. Yes. Except for, I know this is a, this is a, a side note from the sermon. Um, so we'll get back to the sermon. But man, I was going into the store the other day and I see a giant pump of hand sanitizer and, and I'm like, you know what? Sure. Why not? I don't usually do this. So I'm like, man, give me like three pumps. And then I smelled this stuff. The danger from the smell by far outweighed any risk I had of COVID. But I'm just, that was barf, man. It smelled nasty. Then I went to the pharmacy at the store and the guys were like, oh yeah, we don't use that stuff. That just smells awful. So anyway, side note, back to the sermon. What does it mean to sanctify? It means to set apart and to purify. Now, let me just say this, okay? Uh, Let me just say this, please. Can I say this, what I'm going to say? Thank you. I'm going to say this right now. Let me just say it. Let me just say this. So we know what it means to sanitize, clean up, purify, kill the germs, get rid of stuff that's not supposed to be there. I wish some people would take sanitizing their spirit and the sin on their life as much seriously as they would sanitizing the germs all around them. I mean, I see people that can that can tell me every stat and sanitize their house from the tiles on the roof to underneath the carpet on the floor, down to the, the very floorboard, sanitize every bit of it, and then go out and do something that God's Word clearly says, uh, stay away from that. Like, what? Are you serious? And so people will go to extreme measures and lengths to sanitize and purify themselves from something that has a 99.98 survival rate and do nothing to purify themselves from something that has a 0% survival rate. Nobody survives sin without being purified and sanctified by the blood of Jesus. I'll take the blood of Jesus all day long. I'll take some good smell and hand sanitizer. Fine, I'll do that. But purify me, sanctify me in the blood of Jesus because nobody survives the, the, the germs and the virus that is sin and darkness. Nobody survives that, yet people don't take it serious. Listen, this is the time for Christians to sanctify themselves. So the people of Israel, they're like, okay, we're ready. We're sanctified. We're purified. Let's go take this promised land. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. Let's see what happens when it's finally time to cross over. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. I'm getting excited now. Who's excited about what God has in store for you? I has not seen, neither has ear heard, nor has any man known, any mind known, what God has in store for those who love him. Joshua 3, verse 14, it says, So the people, it's time, the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priest who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, went ahead of them. So just like God said, the presence of God, the priests of God are going in front. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. 
imagine this. These, some of these guys saw Moses part the Red Sea, and here they are. It's time to cross the Jordan, and the Jordan River today is just a fraction and a shadow of what it was back then. You know, they've taken water for farms and everything else, and, and they've, 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 they've taken a lot of the water. It's still there, but the Jordan River back in that day was a wonderful, rushing, powerful, full river, and this was the harvest season when it had the most water. And so as soon as the feet of the priest touch the water, it starts backing up, and eventually, in no time at all, the riverbed is as dry as the Mojave Riverbed in Barstow, California. We just went from the Colorado River to the dry Mojave Riverbed in Barstow, and everybody starts walking across the riverbed, just like that. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Here we go. That's going to be the first town that they conquer in Joshua chapter 6. But look at this. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed. As the people passed by, they waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Now, this was it. They've been hearing about this for years. There's a promised land, and people are starting to say, we've heard about that our whole life. People are telling you right now, there's a rapture going to take place. We're going to have, I've been hearing that my whole life, and I'm 20. I've been hearing that my whole, and I'm 50. Whatever. You've been hearing it your whole, so what? It's getting ready to happen, and this is the generation that's going to see it happen just like this generation of Israelites was the generation that was going to enter into that promised land. And so, what are we talking about? You've never been this way before, but get ready. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. God is getting ready to do some miraculous things. It's getting darker and darker out there. Yeah, but for the children of God, it's time to arise and shine For the light has come. The glory of the Lord, if you'll stay hooked up to him, will be streaming from us. And we will be the light of the world. We will be the source of hope. The only ones with answers to be able to give some light to those stumbling around and lost in the darkness. This is a very key moment. So I'm challenging you. I'm encouraging you with everything that we have. This is the time to stay close to God. Don't back off. Don't start to say, well, I know, but I just, I don't even. Don't back off. Now, I feel like I say this every church service. I say this every video. I say this to everybody I come across. Don't back off now. Cling to Jesus like you never have before. He needs you. You need him. He's coming back, and we have to be ready. It's time to go someplace we've never been before. Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 